Coming up on the Financial Food Fight, there is a fight over Yahoo's board, and there is a bigger fight on social media over Tay's dirty mouth. This is Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal. Everything you need to know about money and the markets, and then some. Now, from New York, Financial Food Fight. Welcome to the Food Fight. Paul Vigna, Stephen Grosser, Market Watch's Chuck Jaffe, and a, a, a new participant today, Aaron Kurloff, who is a markets reporter here. Senior market, senior. senior markets reporter, Aaron. <laughs> yes, as in chronologically older than. Yeah. All right, and uh, listen, we, we're going to kick off the food fight. I already have a bone to pick because somebody was a half an hour late, and I want to know why. <laughs> um, uh, and I'm and I'm oh. looking at the two guys in the room with me right now. <laughs> I, I like when have you been punctual? <laughs> punctual is one o'clock. We're doing the taping. One o'clock, one o'clock is one. When did one o'clock not become one o'clock? Hey, our senior markets reporter cannot does not understand twenty to thirty minutes. That's not <laughs> uh, my fault. Senior markets reporter hey, comes we, in at a quarter after with a, a, a chicken parm sandwich. Well, we move at the pace of the chicken parm market in <laughs> the markets. Yeah, we have to give him credit. He is in today, and there's really no reason for him to be. <laughs> That's true. Today. There is absolutely no reason for him That's to be chicken in. parm. I thought we guys were listening. Say, say what, Chuck? The rest of us are in today. <laughs> yeah, the rest of us are in. We're in. We're working hard. That's true. Uh, all right. Uh, for future reference, gentlemen, we're going to have to work on our, our ability to read a clock. So uh, I kid. I kid. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. You're welcome. If you want some chicken parm, <laughs> you can just ask. I know. I wanted it. It looked good. All right. Uh, look, let, let's talk about this. For the markets, it was kind of a quiet week. I mean, I know in the rest of the world there were very weighty things happening. But for the markets, it was kind of a quiet week. But one of the more interesting stories this week has to be this, uh, what I think, crazy story with Yahoo and Sequoia trying to throw out the entire starboard. board. Starboard. 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 Yeah, starboard. Yeah. I'm sorry. I was going to get the wrong name. Uh, yeah, with, with Starboard trying to throw out the entire board of directors at Yahoo. Uh, honestly, you know, <laughs> I mean, honestly, I don't think it's that crazy. I mean, you don't? Like, like, think about Yahoo and think about how many CEOs this company has had over the last decade. How many, like, you know, activist investors you know, I've been yeah. in there. I mean, this is a company that has lost its way a long time ago and hasn't been able to find it, be able to compete with Google. Um, and, it, you know, the last, what, three or four years, I mean, you know, its stock has been basically trading on Alibaba. It's stake right. in Alibaba, which so, it's so one you, of the largest Basically, you're talking about the Marissa Mayer. Era, yeah, yeah. Right. Like, I mean, everyone, you know, she came in, the stock uh, rose right. quite a bit. Yeah. There was but, a lot I of mean, excitement but, when but, she came but, in. But but it actually wasn't really tied to her. It was tied to the fact that Alibaba was planning an IPO. Right. And it had a huge stake in it. Right. And then, like, and since Alibaba's gone, you know, public, you've seen Yahoo's value go with Alibaba's. Yeah. I mean, this is, it's just a company that it feels like it doesn't have a, you know, it's, 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 even if it did have a strategy, I'm not sure it would sort of work against the Facebooks. The Googles, you know, that that, that are out there. But, but how uh, is it? Unpro- and look, you guys, you guys really all follow this whole world of activist investors. You follow that stuff more closely than I do. How unprecedented is it for a firm that owns only about one percent of the shares, right, to to agitate for dumping the entire board? It's not unprecedented. No. It's not. No, the, and and what typically happens is the activist investor is weighing one of two options. They're weighing the option that says, let me try to get my candidate onto the board. Let me see if I can put enough pressure to get one person onto the board. But one person onto the board doesn't necessarily change anything about the status quo, which is why sometimes that kind of stuff will work. Or there's the throw the bums out 
attitude. And right now, given where we are in this country, if you had your choice <laughs> of those two with just about any situation, wouldn't you go with throw the bums out? Uh, yeah. A lot of people are. Now, How? What, what are the odds that they can pull this thing off? I mean, if they own 1% of the stock, it, and I'm, I'm a simple man, but it seems to me that they have to get a lot of other people, yeah. no pun intended, on board with their plan. Right, but I think there's a lot of dissatisfaction, dissatisfaction yeah. with that company. I mean, if you look at it, it's like look at um, you know Bill Ackman with um, P and G. I mean, a few years ago, he had a two less than I think a two percent, maybe like one percent stake. It was a very small stake, even though monetary it was like a billion dollar investment. He was still able to affect change. He got the you know he, he the the current the CEO at the time left, and they brought back the old CEO. Um, you know, the, just because it's a small stake these days does not mean that you can't change anything. Look at Apple, too. Yeah. I mean, Apple, like, Icon doesn't have a huge stake in Apple. Mm-hmm. I mean, by any means. But he's gotten, you know, he. I mean, they argue that he hasn't. But he's been pushing for buybacks right. and dividends. And they've given a lot of money back to shareholders over. Yeah. Well, and affect change, yes, you can affect change. You yeah. can make it that... The, the board pays attention and at least does what they need to do to make sure that folks feel appeased. If you're asking what are the odds that, hey, with 1%, you could mount a campaign that's going to get the board thrown out and a new board in, that's not happening unless it has nothing to do with ordinary shareholders. If you can't convince the big proxy analysis right. firms that they want to go do this and they want to tell fund companies who are the bigger owners of shares, hey, vote your shares against the, the current board and vote for the new board, which virtually never happens at the corporate level, hmm. then without that, it, it's impossible. So the odds are, no, there's never going to be a, a time that Starboard gets nine directors on and gets the entire slate out. Yeah, but to underscore Steve's point, I mean, I think there is a lot of investor dissatisfaction with this company. I mean, they were in search, they were in fantasy sports, they were in regular sports writing for a while. It's not clear to a lot of investors what they do and what they're plan is, I think. Oh, absolutely. I, I think investors should be upset. I think it's great to see. I just, uh, whether or not this was the right tactic, uh, again, if you, why, the, the question's going to ultimately be, what kind of bone can you get thrown in the direction of exactly. the activist investors? Yeah. It's, it's a settlement that they're, you know, in some exactly. ways it's like the settlement, and how many seats can they get on the board? Well, and the, the, the bigger question, which, which goes to your point, Aaron, is, okay, great. Everyone thinks the company stinks. It's a dog. It's not going anywhere. Marissa Myers failed. We want to get rid of the board, blah, blah, blah. Whatever you want to say about the company, fine. What are you going to do about it? Who are the people you're going to bring in? What's the new plan? Well, how are you going to turn? How are you going to make this company worth something that it currently isn't? Because, like Aaron says, they still do a lot of things. They do have a lot of traffic. They have a lot of eyeballs. Are they making any money off of it? And how do you how do you make money off? Of it? I think that I think the shareholders just want their cash essentially. Yeah, I mean, like that's their plan. I mean, they want to monetize the Alibaba stake and the Yahoo Japan stake, and then they want to like get you know the the internet business like the, what the, we think of as the core of Yahoo, which does actually generate you know revenue. They want to see that sold and take that money. I mean, S- silly me thinking investors want to see a company do something in the long term. <laughs> I totally forgot what, <laughs> forgot what world I'm living in. No, oh, I, radio silence. <laughs> what just happened there? What else is there to say on that? Sure. 
No, I mean, like, you know, that could be, the, I mean, that's like the long, you know, criticism of activists. It's not yeah. completely fair all the time, but it's certainly fair in certain so, situations. So where, where do we all think this goes now, the next, until whenever the, the proxy vote is? I mean, what, what happens here? I mean, I think there's going to be two campaigns. Like, I mean, yeah. like Yahoo's going to be trying to woo shareholders, and Cyborg's going to be, and there's going to be a lot of back and forth. There's going to be a lot of tack. You know, about, like, all the mistakes Yahoo's done. There's going to be talk about the write-downs and all the deals that Marissa's done and, like, you know, the goodwill uh, write-downs that they've taken, like, on, you know, on Tumblr um, and the fact that they, 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 you know, she made a big push for mobile, and but their mobile strategy seems a bit muddled and, you know, they, and, you know, they don't have search. I mean, there's, yeah. you know, I think there's going to be a lot of focus on all the missteps. Yeah, well, I was going to – sorry, I'm, I was going to ask, I mean, do they – is there a long-term value still to the internet, that internet business? I mean, home pages are going away. That seemed to generate a lot of traffic for them. And mm-hmm. mobile, as you said, is muddled. What else do they have going? Right. Well, ultimately, I, I think if you're an activist shareholder, you you're typically not that interested in, oh, let's save the company and see what we can do to save the company. You're interested in what can you do for shareholder value. And the real question is, what can you sell off or can you sell off the entire thing and put it in a position where the parts of Yahoo are interesting enough that you can get great value for them? Yeah, that's it. All right, let's leave it there. Let's take a break. When we come back, uh, talk dirty to me, AI. (laughs) (laughs) That's really what it comes down to, right? All right, we'll be back in a second. I'm John Wardock. Want updates on the biggest stories of the day? Then listen to What's News from the Wall Street Journal. From top business stories... Apple says if they weaken the security of their phones, they make their customers' data more vulnerable. To the economy... I think American consumers are uh, alive and doing well. To election 2016... Today's a big day in presidential politics, obviously. It's the day of the New Hampshire primary. Check back several times a day and enjoy What's News... From the Wall Street Journal. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the food fight. Paul Vigna, Stephen Grosser, Aaron Kurloff, and Chuck Jaffe. I was just going to make one point because I think in the the previous conversation, like Yahoo is exploring a sale, too. I mean, like, I think that should be pointed. I mean, Starboard's big contention is that they're not doing it, or they, they question you know, the heart of, you know, Yahoo's uh, management team and board and actually selling the company. But they are looking at it. I just wanted to. All right. Excellent. Felt I didn't make that point. Good point. Hey, and uh, listen, everyone, uh, go check out. uh, Listen, we're on iTunes. We're on uh, Stitcher. We're on Spotify now, right? Uh, The big Mervyn King, our interview that we've been talking about for, you know, a month or so now, uh, happened. We dropped it today, so it is out there. Go check it out. Really good interview. And we have a couple others coming up next week. Brian Hull, uh, ETF legend, in, not ETF, but high-frequency trading legend, pioneer. We're going to have him in for an interview. And David Sheriff, an author, uh, has a new book out called Break Up the Banks. Guy is making a serious case for what, how we, why we should still should think about breaking up the banks. And he's not alone. And he's not alone. So there's going to be two interviews to check out for next week and the Mervyn King for this week. Now, let's talk a little bit about th- this is one of the it, it is one of the crazier stories you're ever going to see anywhere. <laughs> let's just just say it. So only, Microsoft I, I, it has nothing to do with markets or anything though. Well, except that it's a a, a blue chip tech pioneer. That, that is actually true. That well, is. it it look it involves it involves artificial intelligence, uh Microsoft and that's Twitter, where... 
social media. This is a business story. So Microsoft launches this uh, AI bot, right, an artificial intelligence bot, basically a program that they call Tay. It's supposed to be a – basically it's supposed to mimic a teenage girl. And they launch it and they put it on social media. And the idea is that it is a learning machine. You can teach it things. Well, within 24 hours, the, the – Social media, God bless its heart, taught this poor girl so many horrible things that they had to take the thing, they had to take it down, they had to shut it down. Uh, we can't even say the things that Tay was taught on social media, but trust us, it was it was. I mean, it's kind of funny. <laughs> well, right. first, first things first. First things first. Yeah. Somebody at, at Microsoft, and, and I need to disclose, I'm a shareholder in the stock, but somebody at Microsoft needed to understand that you could not create this with a function that said that allowed people to, to write in and say repeat after me. Yeah. Because because some of the horrible tweets were basically Tay repeating whatever somebody had said. But the rest of them they were learned it, funny it, it was basically like what happened is rather than just launching it out on the internet, it was kind of like they just said, Hey, here's everything that Donald Trump has said. <laughs> Lump it all together, and what do you get when artificial intelligence takes all of those those sayings and here just spew them all back? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, well, I just I, I I don't want to speak too harshly of Nazi sex bots on Twitter because otherwise I wouldn't have any Twitter followers. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, there's some, uh, leaving aside the inherent creepiness of a bunch of designers and and uh, Microsoft headquarters turning loose an artificial. A teenage girl on the internet and asking and allowing people to repeat, you know, have have it repeat what people say. Um, uh, you know, this this seems a little predictable. I mean, it, it sort of strikes me. There's a sort of <laughs> apparently it wasn't within Microsoft. <laughs> well, well, having like a two year old, I sort of feel yeah. like. You have to watch yourself. <laughs> this yes, is sort of like, like exactly. Tay is sort of a two-year-old. Right. I mean, right. you know. yeah. That you know, it reminded me of a, a long, long time ago. One of my friends, he his sister had some some children. We were still maybe we were teenagers, probably. And uh, my buddy's sister had a ba- <clears throat> had a baby who was maybe two or three years old. Yeah. And because I was a total jerk, I taught the little kid to say "Uncle." I'm not gonna say his name, so people don't know who. Yeah. But you know, Uncle X. Uh, is a pothead, and the kid repeated it at a family dinner, <laughs> and everybody. <laughs> As kids, we thought it was hysterical. Uh, all the adults thought it was horrible, and my friend was not pleased with me either. But I mean, it's it, it is that kind of thing, and I think it shows that these artificial intelligence programs. You know, you got to remember, artificial is the first word there. Well, and intelligent is the second, and it may be an oxymoron. Right. Okay. Right. I exactly. mean, the the. You know, this is one of those interesting cases that, functionally, the the irony here is that they made Tay tweets a teenage girl. That was sort of like, oh, it's a you know preteen or teenage or postteen girl, whatever it is, and you know, not recognizing that they were setting her loose with all of the bloodthirsty shut-in denizens of the internet <laughs> out there. And I mean, as, as a father of two daughters, I can't. I, I mean. I can't think of an action that would be worse to the young women. Like, like if you actually created this this artificial intelligence robot and you had any feeling for it, this would have been the last thing you ever did, right? You, you right. wouldn't do this. No matter what your project is, this is a way to make sure that functionally your project gets violated. 
I, yeah. mean, I, I mean, to be honest, it's like, what did they expect of the internet? I <laughs> well, mean, like, exactly. I mean, it's the internet. It's the internet, yeah. I mean, but spend eight side, minutes on Twitter. That's the side that makes you question. I mean, again, as a shareholder, that's the side that makes me go, okay, look, on the short term, wow, I, I shouldn't be surprised if, if Microsoft stock gets hit. But on the long term, like, these are the geniuses that are... Exactly. Right, right. <laughs> that's, that's scary. And that's before you ever get to, you know... The, the, there will be long-term consequences here. We can joke all we want, but imagine the next time somebody comes out and says, hey, I've got this fill-in-the-blank. It's a car that is driven through artificial intelligence. Yeah, yeah, it right. is a whatever that is driven through artificial intelligence. If you don't think, Tay, going neo-Nazi in less than 24 <laughs> hours is coming up again and going to impact the business or the conversation when other companies are doing this stuff, you're wrong. It, yeah. This this has right now it's a very fun story, but there are some programmers out there and guys who are working on artificial intelligence stuff, who whether their developments are set back or whether or not you know because this is scary. I mean that's the other side is that that this is the worry of what happens when the machines take over. <laughs> no, and and, and and this has actually I mean big you know implications for trading. I mean, because this is, I mean, one of the big, you know, uh, you know, Scott Patterson in his book, Dark Pools, goes into details about them trying to build, use AI to do trading and, right, and right. stuff like that. And are you going to give your money to an outfit that, you know, is, is using an AI right. to basically trade? I don't know. But I, I think Chuck's point is very good. I, I would say one thing is it, it makes me feel a lot better about the, the imminent robot over takeover of the world, you know, because those Boston Dynamics videos scare the bejesus out of me. Every time I see them, they freak me out because those ropes, they, they're too human, too lifelike. Well, I mean, if you look at, like, if you ever read, like, you know, articles about, like, the use of robots and how much they have improved over the years and, like, AI has improved and yeah. all the functionality that they can do and, the, the, you know, that humans used to think was only – it's scary. <laughs> I mean, it is really scary. Yeah. I mean, like, we're yes. we're running out of uses for humans. But, but, but now, <laughs> now, now with Tay, I feel a little better. Yeah, I feel yeah. like AI, it's, it's not really – Right. Not I was really going to say, we're, we're not passing Alan Turing's test of artificial <laughs> intelligence with Tay at this moment. <laughs> yeah, if this is Turing complete, then there's right. no meaning to that phrase. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, let's take one more quick break. We'll come back on the other side for just about two minutes. A couple of last thoughts. Hey, this is Jason Gay. Are you liking this podcast? Well, then check out my podcast, The Free For All, where I talk about I talk about everything, man. That's why it's called The Free For All. For more info, go to wsj.com slash podcast. That's slash podcast. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and now Spotify. That's The Free For All. WSJ Pods. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to The Food Fight. Paul Vigna, Stephen Grosser, Aaron Kurloff, and Chuck Jaffe. And, you know, it, it was a very quiet week in the markets. I, uh, two out of, uh, sorry, three, uh, the three lowest trading volume days of the year. Yeah. And, and, and if you want to look just like from point moves on the Dow, I mean, it was like. Right. This year, we've rarely seen three days of under a hundred point moves, and you know it was point oh one percent for both under point oh one percent. But there were there are a couple of interesting things I think that were sort of percolating under the surface of the market. First of all, I mean you're seeing 
all of a sudden, and this speaks to how crazy the markets have been this year and for a while now, and speaks to your argument all the time that you make, Paul, about how the Fed has skewed things, is that now we're worried about inflation. Like people are starting, right. you're starting to see a little bit of people getting worried about inflation. People like you're going from these deflation trades to inflation trades. Um, that's just that you know, it <laughs> blows my mind. You oh, know? in two weeks, I think yeah. two weeks ago, I mean, investors and traders were excited about inflation. And then the other thing too, and it's and this is sort of interrelated with that other point. It was just the all the Fed speakers like are now like, oh, we could be raising rates, right? To, you know, and like and a week before, they're like, <laughs> we're going to take it slow. Right, right, right. Oh, rates, you know, and the market's thinking rates are never going up. Forget it. The Fed, they're not going to do anything. And now you have these speakers coming out saying that they're going to – yeah, it just shows that, you know, eight, we're eight years past the, the crisis and we're not on a firm path yet. I mean, that's it. A investor I talked to yesterday said he wished the Fed speakers would not speak. <laughs> yeah. Be yeah, well, they're not I, – I mean – Ultimately, it was interesting. The AAII, the American Association of Individual Investors, does a weekly survey of investor optimism and pessimism. And pessimism has now reached its low level for the year. And it's not like, oh, happy days are here again. It's not like, okay, you know, John Templeton said invest at the point of maximum pessimism and sell at the point of maximum optimism. But you have to wonder, like, wow, we've gotten awfully happy and and perhaps awfully complacent again very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and it's and what's going to be interesting. To be honest, speaking to your point is Janet Yellen speaks on Tuesday, uh, and it will be interesting what she says because that's really I think you know that she's she obviously matters more than any of the other speakers. Yes. First among equals. Yeah. All right, let's leave it there. Uh, I want to thank everyone. I want to wish everyone a happy Easter. Of course, we will be back next week, and well, we'll talk to you then.